This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our readings for today are for people who feel that they have bottomed out, that they've hit bottom, there's no hope. Here's the message now. Listen, the God of the Bible creates the whole universe from nothing. And this is incomparably good news, not just in some grand metaphysical sense. It's good news for us spiritually, psychologically, physically. God can make something from nothing. That means even when you've moved into the space of nothing, you've hit bottom. Don't give up. Because God can create something from nothing. Okay, that's the principle. But I'll look at the readings in light of that. Our first reading is from the wonderful 17th chapter of 1 Kings. If you've not been you know, through the Bible for a long time, or you're not all that familiar with it, I might recommend picking up 1 Kings. It's a very lively, interesting book. In the 17th chapter, we find the story of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. And the background here, I think, is pretty important. It was a time of drought in Israel, and Elijah the prophet is desperate. So, God gives him instruction and invites him to trust. Remember, this is the God that makes something from nothing. The Lord sends the prophet to about the least likely place. He sends him, first of all, outside the borders of Israel. So let's say you're in trouble, you're, you're in desperate straits. And you're told, well, the first thing you got to do is leave the country you know, to go into a much more difficult, much more trying circumstance. So first of all, leave the country. And then he says, go to a widow who lives in a small town outside of Israel's borders. Recall, please, that widows at this time and place were practically helpless no social security, there's no um, social um, safety net. If you're a widow, that means you've lost your husband, who is your means of financial support. You are practically helpless. So during a time of drought, he goes to a foreign country to a helpless person. That's where God sends him. So Elijah comes and, well, okay, I'll trust. I'll do what the Lord wants. So he finds the widow and he asks her for something to eat. He's, he's dying. She says, look, I've got enough for one meal for myself and my son, and then we're going to die. Now, I submit to you, everybody, Elijah must have thought, what in the world? <laughs> I've been sent to this person to help me survive? And then comes this beautiful hinge of the whole story, this mutual act of faith. First of all, Elijah trusts that God has, in fact, sent him to the right place. And then she trusts. Now, why? Because Elijah 
weirdly, asks her to make him a cake. She's just told him that she's dying. She has one more meal for herself and her son. He says, make me a cake. He trusted in God, that God sent him to the right place, and she trusts in him and does what he asks. And then we hear beautifully that for the next year, the flour and oil do not run out. Both the prophet and the widow were in dire straits, and both found what they needed. Trust in the Lord who can create something from nothing. Now, that story goes on, and that's actually where our first reading for today kicks in. Elijah stays with the widow and her son. But then we hear the son becomes deathly ill and finally dies. Now again, mind you, widow, that means she has no um, husband to support her. Now her son has died, which means any hope she had of being supported has gone away. In her despair, she lashes out at the prophet. Now listen, it's from our first reading. What have you against me, O man of God? You've come, you've come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. So she's angry. There's a lot of people who are in dire straits become angry at God. She is. Once again, she's striking bottom. And the prophet, once again, asks her to trust. He says, give me your son. So the son has just died. See, this is even, even a more dramatic version of make me a cake that he had said some months earlier. So Elijah takes the young man upstairs and cries aloud to God. Then it says, stretching himself three times on the child's body, he supplicated the Lord again. And the young man came back to life. Once again, an absolutely hopeless situation becomes, through God's grace, a place of springs. Not only did the young man come back to life, which is obviously good in itself, Secondly, it meant she had means of support, and, and, we hear, the widow regained her faith. Her faith in the God who can bring something even from nothing. Now, the gospel story for today mirrors the Elijah account in many ways. Jesus comes into the town of Nain, situated just southwest of the Sea of Galilee, not too far from Nazareth, quite close to Mount Tabor. And he sees a funeral procession underway. The body of a young man, the only son of a widowed mother, is being carried to burial. Now again, all that is code language, as I explained. In that time and place, to be a widow meant your husband's gone. Now her son has died, which means she has nothing. She's bereft. Jesus' heart is moved because he knows this is a very desperate situation. With a serene command, and here it's interesting, it's a contrast, I think, with Elijah. Elijah goes through all kinds of conjurings, you know, supplicating God and, and then uh, placing himself on, on the, the body of the child and all this. In Jesus' case, it's simply with a serene command. He brings the young man back to life. It awakens not only hope in the woman, but faith in those around her. 
They say, a great prophet has risen among us. God has looked favorably upon his people. What have they sensed here, everybody? That God can make something even from nothing. God creates ex nihilo, we say, from nothing. Yes, in the grand metaphysical sense, but in this physical, spiritual, and psychological sense as well. Okay? And we find, I would say, the same theme, really, in our second reading. Taken from Paul's letter to the Galatians. Galatians is that region in kind of central Turkey today. In Paul's early missionary journeys, he would have wandered through this countryside. And he writes back now to the churches in Galatia. Paul tells them famously his own story of how he came to Christian faith. It didn't happen through study or through the tutoring from another human being. It didn't come from his uh, philosophical musings. It came as a sheer and shocking grace to the most unlikely person. That's the point Paul's making. Listen now as he tells a story. You've heard of my former way of life in Judaism. He says, I'd say with almost a comical laconicism, because Paul's conversion story must have been well known by this time, at least in the Christian circles. I mean, you heard of my former way of life. (laughs) Yeah, we have. We knew about your former way of life. And then he elaborates. How I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Now, let those words sink in. See, we always think of St. Paul as indeed he became. But now he's describing what he was prior to becoming St. Paul. I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Paul was not just opposed to Christianity. He didn't simply argue against it or ignore it. Think of people today on the internet that don't like you know, Christianity and they'll badmouth it or they'll say critical things. It's not just that. Rather, Paul, he was called Saul, Shaul in those days, actively, brutally, and violently persecuted the church. We have that great phrase in the Acts of the Apostles that Paul, breathing murderous threats was seeking to bring Christians back in chains. Murderous threats. And this is not just a critic. This is a harsh, harsh, brutal, violent opponent of the Christian church. Remember, of course, we hear in Acts as well that Paul presides at the stoning of St. Stephen. Paul is there when the first Christian martyr dies. The killers place their cloaks at his feet. It's a way of saying that Paul was was presiding over this calamity. Listen now to me. He was, in a word, about as far from the Christian faith as you could get. He was spiritually dead. But Christ brought him back to life. Listen. But when God, who from my mother's womb had set me apart and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, Paul says, God 
created Paul's Christian faith from nothing, from, from less than nothing, you might say, turning a violent persecutor into an ardent champion. God creates from nothing. A destitute widow, from her will come life. In her will be born faith. Now, here's the application, everyone, to all of us. Don't give up hope, even when you are in desperate straits. Don't surrender, even when things seem utterly void of meaning and hope. You're on your last legs. You've got nothing left in the tank. You are moving actively in the wrong direction. Don't give up. Because God can bring you back. He can make you over. He can create your life again from nothing. And so maybe there's someone listening to me right now who is in that situation, who's like the widow of Zarephath, who's like the widow of Naim, who's like Paul, actively persecuting the church. Maybe you're tempted to say, that's it, I've hit rock bottom. Okay. From rock bottom, cry out today, asking for God's grace. Because we have a God who can create from nothing. And that's incomparably good news. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Four years in the making, and it's finally here. Our new Catholicism documentary series, book, and study program are now available to order online at catholicismseries.com. Will you help me introduce this epic film series to your parish, school, family, and friends? Catholicism is an unprecedented adventure around the world and deep into the faith. Learn more at catholicismseries.com or call 1-866-928-1237. That's 1-866-928-1237.